Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. Yes, we have returned for this one moment before going away again for many months. And Merry Christmas to all, including my Flashcast guests, David J. Lore. Hello. Are you trying to be funny? Ho, 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 James Thompson. Cuddles. And, of course, brilliant. It's Moises Chuyan. Please do a spot of dusting, Jason. This place is <laughs> disgusting. Uh, don't, don't say that. Don't. Oh. We are here for Twice Upon a Time. The This is one of those Christmas specials that isn't just a Christmas special, but also has to do all the heavy lifting of moving us on from one doctor and, uh, and, and off to the other. Like, uh, well, not really the Christmas invasion. I guess it took it on the other side. But like uh, when uh, when uh, David Tennant was regenerating to Matt Smith, when Matt Smith was regenerating to Peter Capaldi, uh, we've we've uh, we've got it again. Um, it, it's always interesting because this is a very different challenge from your regular old Christmas episode because you have to do a lot of heavy lifting with Doctor Who, and I think Stephen Moffat threw himself into the part of like this is my last sh- uh, story of showrunner i am going to um just lean into my love of 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 doctor who's history we begin with previously on doctor who 709 <laughs> episodes ago <laughs> which i laughed right off the bat i was like ah yes it's uh it's and they they reenact a a a portion of the 10th planet and uh, and and we are informed that yes, indeed, Peter Capaldi is meeting uh, David Bradley's William Hartnell First Doctor as basically in the last two scenes of the First Doctor's last episode before he regenerates, and that's when this entire story takes place. Which is, uh, uh, I think, we all kind of expected that that was the case, but it is uh, it is another thing to to see it and see how Stephen Moffat, of course, ever the super fan, is once again wedging his stories into little tiny spaces in the history of Doctor Who. Hmm. How did everybody? Yeah, I mean, think? I, yeah, go ahead. I I. I w- I always love when something surprises me, but with Doctor Who particularly, uh, when when I actually figure it out well well in advance, for some reason, at least with a Moffat episode, that makes me really happy. So I was so happy that this took place in that little tiny space in that episode, uh, and and you know the the big surprise of uh, who is related to whom that comes yes. later on. And uh, and then just the setting, just what was going to happen in, you know, why was it this place? And and so I got all that from the trailer how many ever weeks ago, and I was still just thrilled through the whole thing. I just, I loved it. So how do people feel about uh, about David Bradley? I think maybe we should start there. This is a two-doctor story, which we, you know, it's a rare multi-doctor story. And this is going back to the beginning and, and giving us this parallel of we've got both of these doctors considering whether they really want to go and regenerate or whether they want to call it a day. And uh, David Bradley gets to, he already played William Hartnell. Now he gets to play the first doctor directly. Mm. I never, I never saw. Um, was it Adventure in Space and Time, which yeah. was mm. the yes, it's um, very good, yes. very very good. It yes. is very good. Written by um, Mark Gatiss, no less, who yes. is the guest star in this episode. <laughs> who, who I'm sure twisted a lot of arms to be in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he knows a guy. Well, one arm yes. in particular, or maybe two, depending on whether Stephen Moffat needs one arm to write while the other is being twisted by Mark Gatiss. 
Yeah, and I I had I hadn't seen him in that, so I thought he did a a, a good job. I mean, having recently watched uh, the Five Doctors, that had a much worse um, yes. first Doctor <laughs> in it. So in comparison, uh, he was great. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I I sort of bought into that he was the first Doctor from from the beginning of it. I, I thought it's, also the fade that they did, the sort of morph, uh, was particularly effective. Uh, it worked for me mm. as they did the whole fade into color, fade to 16 by 9. There's this um, notion that everything is fan fiction now. All of these continuing franchises that are now being steered by people who were fans of not even the original version of them, but the second version of them, uh, whether Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, and and so on. Um, and uh, and I feel like as many quibbles as different people have had with different parts of Moffat's tenure running the show, um, this this is a really wonderful cap to all of it. Um, that mm. for me, I, I, I found myself thinking, um, just here, uh, it, it has not been that long since I finished watching the episode, but, um, I, I found myself immediately thinking, is this my favorite Christmas episode? Cause I think it is. Um, huh. it, it, you know, it, it, it has, it has a dual purpose. It's not just a Christmas special, but it's also a regeneration episode. Um, but it, it just, it, 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 it is Moffat at the height of whatever powers you grant him as, as a fan. Mm, yes. Not everybody is terribly forgiving to him. Um, but it is, uh, it is a, a skillful use of Mark Gatiss, who is perfect. Mm. Um, exactly the right role for exactly the right, uh, performer. Um, Rachel Talalay directed it. And the the cut choices, uh, you know, just cutting from shot to shot to shot are exactly what you would uh, you would expect from one of my favorite television auteurs. Um, There there's uh, there's the incredibly meaningful historical significance of where um, the the battlefield that uh, that our our doctors Mm -hmm. end up on. Um, Yep. It it uh, it tugs the heartstrings um, in in that kind of uh, lovely uh, Doctor Who as magic school bus uh, kind of way. which it, was, of course, just, originally what the show was during the William Hartnell yeah. era. That was how it was more intended as a let's go to a real historic event and you can witness it as if you were there. And so right. to have that in this right. episode embedded with the first doctor seemed really fitting. It's it is this really lovely mashup of different things that I really love about Doctor Who and and I think um, is very fitting uh, for uh, for the, the send off of the true rock and roll doctor. Um <laughs> You know, it, it just it it worked it worked on all points for me. There's not a single thing that that felt uh, indulgent or uh, unnecessary or superfluous. It just is is a great example of really cleanly well told Doctor Who that respects the classic era while at once uh, poking fun at it and uh, and 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 acknowledging that things have changed, times have changed, um, and it it is really a a great. Uh, tying up of loose ends coming the long way around. I, I would argue, sorry, I was just going to say, I would argue against the indulgence part slightly. Uh, we won't skip to the end, but there was one scene at the well, end that I thought it, was it very is indulgent. It is indulgent, but it doesn't feel <laughs> indulgent. And that's that's the important part, is it doesn't feel like, oh, here's a lantern, we're hanging right here for you. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the ten minutes at the end of the end of time where he visits every person he's ever met. <laughs> you mean the, you mean the best ten minutes oh. of the entire end of time, David? That That too, yes. Uh, the uh, I I imagine that there will be fans of the first Doctor who are horribly offended by the fact <laughs> that 
at several points the in this episode the first doctor makes essentially sexist comments about with and potentially tinged with racist comments as well about bill especially well, jason and, the good news is they'll all be dead soon and yeah well I, that's what i was going to say is that I, then again those people probably were not primed to like this episode or Stephen Moffat or what happens at the end of this episode anyway. But I, right. I imagine I thought it was funny because it is the way it's always played is that Peter Capaldi is mortified and mm, it plays yes. simultaneously as somebody being mortified by those terrible things that your old grandfather says on Christmas day where you're like, mm-hmm. Oh geez, grandpa, I can't believe you said that <laughs> simultaneously though. It is also because it's Dr. Who the, the, uh, the mortification of somebody who has learned and grown as a person and doesn't do those things anymore and feels terrible about how they pay- behaved before they, uh, they, they learned and grew as a person. And so I thought it really worked and was also very funny um, and worked on those multiple levels. But I, I can imagine people will be, some people will be angry about it. I thought it was pretty great. And the bottom line is that with, with a story like this, you can either write the first doctor as if he's in a modern story or you can write him as if he was in a, uh, an old story. And Stephen Moffat does a little bit of both. And I think that's probably yeah. the, right, the right move. Well, and it's, it's kind of a, a personification of the song, I Am My Own Grandpa, right? He's, he's <laughs> yeah. going, oh, that's not just grandpa. That's, that is me. That's, you know, fair enough. And um, I, I love the fact that, you know, Capaldi is about the same age as Hartnell was when he was playing the Doctor. Yeah. And so there's, there's that sort of subtext in joke, too. It's like, I'm the same age, but I've learned so much more because I'm 1,500 years older, too. I'm disappointed that Stephen Moffat didn't use the line that he already used in Time Crash, but I would have liked to have seen him dig it back hmm. up, which is having Peter Capaldi explain the first doctor's behavior to bill by saying something like i was young and foolish then i would have liked that because that is really what's going on here is that you know it was a long time ago when i was young and i know he looks like an old man but that is me at my youngest back then and i i love that when when david Tennant says that in time crash you know i was always old and grumpy like you do when you're young uh it's a great line i, I kind of wanted to <laughs> of, of all the things recycled in this episode uh that yeah. was not yeah. which made me sad but um but david bradley's great i like him i've liked him in all sorts of things he's really great in broad church by the way where he will make you sadder than you have ever been before and he's great here uh, you know in, in in walking that line between i saw an interview with him where he said you know i haven't where people are like well you you have experience because you were in Adventure in Space and Time. And he said, no, I was playing mm. William Hartnell in an Adventure in Space and Time, and now I'm playing the Doctor, and it's different. And I, I, I think he did a, right. a, I think right. he was very thoughtful in trying to understand the mannerisms that William Hartnell had as the Doctor and do that, but also give a legitimate performance and not just a, a caricature, just an impression. Right. And I, I watched the movie beforehand just because, I mean, as soon as as soon as I saw the movie at the time, I think it was maybe within a minute I'm sitting there going, I want a series of the yeah. first Doctor with him now, Yeah, right? Hmm. And, they built the sets, uh, they've got the guy, let's do this. Exactly. And so here it is. And they, he, he really does a fine job of differentiating those when you see the two things in close proximity, because it is very different. And, you know, he's playing a time-traveling ancient Time Lord by this point. He's not playing an actor who's, who's being pushed out of a show, right? Right. Is Big Finish doing anything with them? If they're not, I imagine I think, they will be soon. I think they have done some. Well, they've done some with First Doctor, but not with David Bradley. I think I, no. I, I would, 
I, I think B, Big Finish leads no stone unturned. <laughs> so yes. As soon yes. as it, they are able, I suspect they might do <laughs> such a thing. Um, my, but it, my thing, my thing with 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 him as the first Doctor is that he uh, functioned in in the in the story as as almost a uh, a reproach to the people saying no Doctor should the Doctor should not be a woman no that's not how it's been everything should be as it's always been and ah. and I, I feel I feel like a fair amount of that like we we didn't necessarily need the repetition of the you know I was young and foolish kind of thing uh, because I I think it was meant to just stand there and be horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! 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 Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. Good. That's exactly. That's exactly how ridiculous it is. That's exactly how uh, silly it is to say that Doctor Who should not progress and change. I, and I, I did I like. Just, go on. I, I just looked it up. In fact, just after the New Year, Big Finish will be, re- be releasing Volume One of the First Doctor Adventures with David Bradley. Ah, uh, there you go. And and the entire cast from Adventure in Space and Time. As their characters from ah, okay. the first Doctors. There you go. Run. See? They, so, big finish yeah. never sleeps. They're on it. Go ahead, They're James. On it. Um, no, I was just going to say that uh, I did like him sort of doing the, the 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 traditional thing of, you know, why why are the lights so low in here? And, uh-huh. you know, why have <laughs> yes. you got stupid sunglasses on your face? And and, and sort of poking fun at the, at the more modern side in a... In an equally valid way as poking mm-hmm. fun back the way, I think. Also, I think a very good... I mean, Stephen Moffat is... A lot of criticism of Stephen Moffat out there. Some of it, I think, is 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 fair. Uh, nobody is without oh, fault. Yeah. But I think he is yeah. a I think he is a brilliant writer. Um, and I'm going to talk... <laughs> this is me complimenting him because I'm going to say negative things about him later. But <laughs> the scene in here that <laughs> I think... Doesn't, doesn't it always go that way Yeah, I know, Moffat? right? I've got to start it. <laughs> I'm just saying something out nice there. because make, I'm going to say something just, mean. Just making it... No, it's not mean, but... Um, just making it clear where where I'm going here. Um, the scene where Peter Capaldi is like, "Oh, we got to figure out who this person is." Uh, you know, it's obviously an AI, and it's got this complicated technical techno babble kind of explanation. And the first Doctor just kind of looks at the the glass figure and goes, "Oh, that's a person." Because their face is asymmetrical. And Peter Capaldi's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think that's such an important moment in the story because it shows that Peter Capaldi does not have the upper hand on I, I, David uh, Bradley. Yeah. Right. I also thought, you know, a computer from the 51st century couldn't make an asymmetrical face. Yeah. Well, that's true. But, that's true. But I mean, the, the <laughs> argument was it's based on somebody, right? Because why would why would a if it was just a generic construction? It's a, I, I get it, it's a sci-fi trope, but I really like that. That's like no, that's a person's face. Like that was. I mean, I suppose Peter Capaldi's response could have been, well, actually, with machine learning, you can. <laughs> but he didn't do that, right? He, he was right. like, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I just like that that the less complicated approach from the yeah, first doctor away, was the right the toys. one. Take away the toys and and simplify things and look at what's right in front of your face. And it's, it just, it's it, the doctor's razor, and it gives him the upper hand, uh, or at least they're even at that point. And I think that was important because otherwise you're just going to expect that everything Peter Capaldi says is right, everything that David Bradley does is wrong because he's the yep. old doctor and now the new way is coming. And it gives him that kind of credibility as he is also the doctor. He's not who he has become. And there's that moment where they show all the little bubbles with like all the doctors and they're all the callbacks, and he's kind of appalled because he's like, I don't recognize this person just as he says you know i'm this planet is protected and uh and it's all right early days because david bradley's like what who's protecting it right um and that that's that keeps coming back that that it's early days for him he has not embraced who he is going to be because the doctor back then wasn't quite that that guy 
And and you have to remember, I mean, these are the memories of people in their last moments. They don't actually have the doctor's memories. They have other memories of the doctor. Right. And so that's why all of that litany is, you know, the butcher of Trenzalore and all, you know, it's all these horrible, horrible things. And those are the scenes we're seeing. And and that's a very nice, of course, he's not going to recognize that because he would never do that. Right. Right. And even at the end, it's like, well, you still don't get my memories because I'm still not dead. I'm not I'm not dead yet. The, I mean, so the the uh, if we talk about the uh, I don't know what to call it the antagonist not the enemy is not an enemy in the end but uh, which leads to a very very good moment. Um, yes. This is the this is the archive oh. of all memories of everybody who's died, uh, where time travelers from New Earth go back in time and record all their memories before they die. And Mark Gatiss's character is is uh, kind of misapplied in time because of something with the nonsense of the two doctors being in the same place at the same time whatever don't look too closely it's fine um Hmm. it's time travel forget about it uh and and so they're not there there is that great moment where peter capaldi is like oh usually there's an evil plan i I don't know what to do when there's not an evil plan there's not an evil plan here i mean their goal he's just sort of intersected them and their goal is really just to store everybody's memories which leads to one of the key themes of this which is you know people are memories memories are people and it's about like the people who have died as long as as long as the memories of them live they live on that you know that's a a part of the christmas sentiment i think he's he's uh, giving on here um i think it says something about the nobility of humanity that in the far future humanity is trying to basically save everybody's memories of their lives and every life every life is relevant and precious there's a lot to unpack here about um about the themes of this episode and the fact ultimately uh in a kind of a delightful uh, trick that i don't think i've seen from moffat before the bad guy's not a bad guy and and yeah and it turns out it's not a, it's not a problem they just misunderstood what was going on one of the things i thought was interesting theme wise is given that this is the christmas episode the one of the central messages is all we are are memories so not leaving any sort of uh souls afterlife religious mm. beliefs or anything mm-hmm. you know we are mm-hmm. literally just souls you can download us and store us on a computer and that's it what a christmas blessing <laughs> yes <laughs> that's what christmas is all about 12th doctor well if you listen to moffat talk about it i mean this is one of the problems I have with a lot of these Christmas specials is when the Christmas special is doing the business of getting us a new doctor, it ends up being much more of a kind of a dark, uh, not only dark uh, themes, but also just the mechanics of having to tell a end of the doctor's life story on Christmas Day rather than just a fun story. And this definitely falls in that in that camp. That's what he's that's what he has to do here. But he is, I feel like, trying to make the most of that in, in a bunch of interviews. Um, over the last year, he said that, you know, his goal with this Christmas special was to not have it be the one where the doctor dies and and regenerates, which is why they basically killed him in the re- at the end of last season so that he already right. knows he's going to regenerate. So he can just sort of grapple with mortality and deciding to go on here, which which he does. I mean, yeah, the, the this, one, go, go. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say the one thing I uh, not the one thing, but one thing I liked about the episode was the fact that it was really came down to it was about one person, him saving one person uh, and himself. But it wasn't about, you know, the fate of the galaxy. Yes. That that level of uh, 
big Christmas special or big uh, end of season type thing. So yeah. the fact that they just did a small story w- was actually quite nice. I mean, for all for all its darkness and, and thoughts of mortality, this is maybe my favorite uh, regeneration episode easily uh, be- because exactly it focuses on him. It focuses on this very simple question. It's not the end of time. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, also, the bar is low, but uh, yes. <laughs> yes, so yes. We're not um, undoing and, all of reality. It's just taking a breather for a moment. Right, and and for all for all we make fun of the end of time, I really hated the last one. I mean, ugh. I oh, loved yeah. the day of the Doctor. I hated the time. Time of the Doctor, the time? right, yeah. Time of the Doctor. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, that was, that was, I know. Anyway, um, not relitigating that one. Nope. But uh, this one was, in fact, light and fun. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a wake. It wasn't a heavy, heavy-handed thing. Uh, it had all the hallmarks of, of Moffat at his best. Like we've said, it's, it's just that light touch. But it is also a very serious moment. And even uh, having the, the British uh, military man there uh, and then taking him back to where we where we found him right we found him in a in a crater in Ypres uh, uh, in, in a standoff with a man who can't understand what he's saying and uh, apparently he's, by the way uh, the German spoken by the other soldier was terrible terrible pronunciation oh, I'm sure. clearly I'm not sure. a native speaker <laughs> and uh, though, for, let's first say, time that's happened on Doctor Who let's say there were complaints uh, from the sofa next to me yes I'm I, uh, oh I'm not, well yes I'm not surprised I'm not surprised um, but, but that they was... mispronounced Schleif in Stille Nacht <laughs> that bothered me and I'm not even German but that that was such a, a lovely you know when, when I saw they were World War I uniforms in the t- teaser I thought a Christmas episode with World War I there's only one yeah. thing you have to do with it and if you don't do it I'll be stunned yeah. and especially because the first Doctor and, and the whole going to a historical event and and so of course it is it is the Christmas armistice in 1914 which as soon as the, as as the song started to break out I came as close to breaking out in tears just of joy not not you know sad tears but just like yes you did it you mm-hmm. you closed that circuit god bless you it yeah. was uh it was a, a more emotional kind of thing for me a, a, a friend's mother passed recently um and uh, her mother her mother was german uh, her father was Indian, and uh, one of the things that we did at her funeral was was sing Silent Night in in German, oh. um, and uh, it, it just uh, it just kind of just kind of wrecked me. Um, and uh, and even if even if that hadn't been you know something directly personally that I'd I'd experienced that that song in particular, if if you have any relationship with it, um, mm. it, uh, it 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 can it, it can really just reach right in and grab those heartstrings and yank them. Um, and uh, it, it just again, there's so many things throughout his tenure running Doctor Who that people might uh, assail Moffat for, um, but I feel like I feel like that moment in particular in this episode is something that that absolves a lot of criticisms and nitpicks that many of us have um, because there's there's such a thing as as doing a good send off to your tenure, a good send off to your last Doctor story. Um, but there's, there's something completely different, uh, when it comes to, to really getting the most important parts of it note perfect. Yeah. And I mean, this is a song I've been to so many midnight masses over the years and we, we've often sung it in German at the churches I've been to. It's, it is my favorite 
actual him uh and so so it had that power and weight to it but then capaldi's speech where he's talking about this this was the only time this ever happened no other war never again why not you know and and that was just oh good mm. good writer yeah good writer no, that was that and, was and, 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 well well chosen to, to I mean, tell this. I've, uh, Julian actually I, has just been reading about World War One in school, and uh, so he was talking to us about the about the armistice and about them. They actually played soccer and all of that, and then we're watching it, and he's like, oh, they're going to... He said, but, well, they haven't played soccer yet, and then they started to play soccer, and he's like, yeah! Yes! Like, yeah, there it is! History before your eyes. It's amazing. You, you, I mean, you're a little armistice fanboy. Yeah, I know. Amazing. Well, I've, uh, And I've ripped him off at uh, many times in the past, but when he is on point, when he is good, he is great. And this, I, this and Day of the Doctor might be my favorite Moffats. Wow, multiple mm. Doctors. Who knew? How um, how does everybody feel about the incorporation of Bill in this one? Because that was I, I was actually surprised. Apparently, it wasn't originally even in his plan, but then he was writing, and Bill appeared in his script. And he was like, "All right, I guess I'm going to do this now." But it's not quite Bill because it's sort of the memory archive of Bill, and then later we get some memory brief memory archives in the traditional. Everybody says goodbye to the Doctor with Nardol and with Clara, um, but Bill is there for a lot of it, and it's great to see Pearl Mackey again. And she does explain to the Doctor that she didn't die uh, as a Cyberman, but but that Heather came and swept her away. And he expresses skepticism, which is it's sweet because it's obviously in his love of Bill that he's offended that somebody might kind of like fake, you know, duplicate her. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also not quite Bill, right? It's Bill's memories. Oh, you, you corporealist. Right. Well, I mean, this is this is the argument. But but even the even the text of the of the episode, it's like it is it is Bill's reconstituted memories at the end of her life because the archive is speaking to the to the to the doctor. I, I don't know. I mean, I was happy to see Pearl Mackey again, but I, I think it would be I I would not be uh, fully truthful if I said I was happy that it was not quite Bill coming back to help the doctor, but instead this kind of saved bill from the from the future where she's been kind of called up by the archive in order to provide the doctor with somebody to talk to it ended up working for me as 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 an as an echo of this doctor's run tying up the the loose end of the doctor not knowing what had actually happened to her and also almost being it, the, you know, the, this, you know, go, going into the spiritual realm, this is almost like the friendly face reaching out, drawing you to the light. Yes. Um, as it were. And, and, and it worked for me on that, on that front where she was something of a Christmas ghost for him. All right. Um, and, 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 and it worked. It worked. At first I was like, oh, wait, didn't we, hold on. It's been months. Uh, <laughs> didn't we, no, I, I thought, yeah, I thought we were kind of done. No, this is working. Okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah. And, I, and this I, is, this is a moment where, uh, you know, of all the things that have happened to the Twelfth Doctor, that is one of the things that is most tragic to him, that, that this happened to her. And to, to have that, that moment of grace of finding out that no, it's okay, the water girl came and saved me and all that, um, that, that sort of, uh, releases him from that torment of, mm. of, you know, I, I left my companion. My companions don't die, right? I save everyone, but I didn't save her. And I think, 
Yeah, I think the yeah. thing that bothered me slightly is, you know, it, it, it had echoes of to me of the River Song, oh, we'll store your memories in the library mm-hmm. type stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was it was a kind of stop undercutting the, you know, the, the, the ends of these people's stories by <laughs> bringing them back again. I mean, the Clara one, it's like yeah. I, I, I genuinely did tear up when Clara yes. appeared. And then I was also angry. No, I, it's I, like, I, I, that, that, that one I was, I mean, because first off, we saw that Bill survived. So he's not really undoing it. He's just undoing the doctor's torment about it. And remember, yeah, it right, literally just right. happened. <laughs> like, yes. for us, it's been yeah. a while. But the doctor literally, it all just happens. And she saves he's his life and he wakes up. And, and then this episode happens. Honestly, but, it made me resent the, the memory black, uh, the memory back blazers a little bit, uh, where, where I'm like, mm, this is, this can, this could be abused. Oh boy, could right. this be abused. The, um, oh, yeah. But I'll tell you, the most affecting moment in the entire episode for me was the appearance of Clara. I knew, like, just like with uh, Mark Gatiss's identity as uh, a Lethbridge, Lethbridge Stewart, as the Brigadier's father, yeah. which I, I cotton to, as I do, I, I feel like the perfect time to realize where a story is going is about a minute before the reveal happens. Right. And that's right. that happened for me with that. And then with Clara, there was that moment where they're talking about memories, and it's very clearly at the very end of the episode, and I thought, oh no, this is when we're <laughs> going to see clara is that they're going to they're going to like give him back his memories and then it happened and that was the that was the most emotionally affecting moment for me because i didn't like the fact that uh earlier on in fact there's a mention where he's talking to bill and how much he valued bill and 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 about the people who travel with him and i thought oh but you don't even remember clara you could bring her up here but you don't even remember other than the idea that she existed you don't have any details and so when clara appears in the yes obligatory just as it was with amy with Matt Smith, right? The the goodbye to the companion who was there for so much of his tenure. But still it got me because it was like that moment of it's okay. Now now that it's all said and done, you can remember me just like you remember everybody else. And it that that part actually hit me solid on. It worked. He did it, his trick it, on right. me. It worked. It hit me, but I thought, you know, wasn't there a point that he why he didn't have her mem- well, memory He of made her. a sacrifice, right? So, yeah. I don't know, the glass people it, it, I'm but, okay with it. It makes everybody happy. I, I, it was fine. It was just. It, it felt like uh, Stephen Moffat. You know, like everybody oh, lives. Quick, what have I? What have I got left mm-hmm. on my list? Everybody lives. Nobody dies. Everybody will be around so, forever. And well, and I did like having Bill there uh, also because this is before we know there's no evil plan right but when we see her and then there that hand comes across and it's oh it's the glass hand no No, it's not bill after all no and so there's there's a little bit of suspense but again it's very lightly it's well plotted but it's lightly done so it was also it's there um it was on 5 30 uh in the uk so that's that's pretty early for the sort of Doctor Who's mm. that we've had recently. Mm. So I think they couldn't go too dark with this story just because of the, the number of slightly smaller children that would be watching it. So I have two uh, River Song references that are not made, but I think are alluded to here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that moment where the archive basically says, if you help us, we'll let you talk to her again. And mm. she's backlit oh. with, the, with the hair. And I thought, is it River Song? Yep. And it's like, no, it's Bill. I think that was intentional. I think that that yes. is actually an intentional, is it going to be River? No, it's going to be Bill. And then he says, I'm going to go to this place with all this information, but it wants to kill me. And I think, are they going to go to the library? And it's not. But I had that yeah. moment where I thought you could absolutely have had it be 
that all of the, you know, and I thought, is Stephen Moffat literally going to walk us through every idea <laughs> that he's ever brought up in Doctor Who since the very beginning? Because Which he might. Well, so the one thing that people <laughs> may have missed is that wasteland that Rusty the Dalek comes back from into oh, the Daleks, yes. right? Which is, which is, I was happy to see grove. Him, But the, the location is Villengard, so it is the place that is all the weapons, and then it's destroyed, and then later it becomes the Grove of Bananas. I like bananas. Bananas are good. I was disappointed again that Peter Cabaldi didn't have a line like, in in a hundred years, this will just be a banana grove. But he didn't have that line. But it, it is that is a reference all the way back to um, the first Doctor Dances to the, Dr. the Dances and the Empty Child. It's all the way oh, back yeah. to the first episode uh, that he wrote for the series back in two thousand five. So that was uh, that was he was definitely making references. But the River Song one, I know he's kind of put it to bed and it was fine. But I I still feel like he was playing with us a little bit and our expectations yeah. with with yeah. It's, it's okay to faint towards. Yeah. Mm. yeah yeah um let's see what what else so yeah the brigadier again just to mention that again i i did not read that going in i and then about two minutes before it happened i thought oh okay this is going to be because he's like take care of my family and i know oh, okay he is he is he yeah. is related to somebody we know and yeah, this is going the, to be an important uh, uh, twist yeah. here the brigadier I, he, senior i i i found myself going wait a minute hadn't i heard that like gatus was playing tolkien or something like i i thought that the, <laughs> that, that it had been reported that that, that gatus was playing some you know like famous author in history and so i kept uh expecting that and then i went wait a minute that's not what this is that's not what this is at all uh-huh. this yeah. is somebody no, I, that actually matters to him oh that's what the, okay the, the first time i saw a shot of gatus in costume i went oh he's a lethbridge Stewart," partly because uh, yeah. Partly because just the look and the, the look. bearing and everything, but also uh, the thought that again this was the the final thing Moffat was doing. Uh, the you know the two of them are such insane Hoovians, and and I thought he's not going to play a random military guy who looks like that. Right. That's a Lethbridge Stewart, and so again that was just delightful seeing 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 the Tetris. Uh, pieces fall into place and and make the noise and you're like yay the fact that he saved him and he changed his fate right by like messing with the timeline just a just a few hours he said um you know that i don't think that makes it any better doctor you you are like messing with uh, this stuff but you know there's the line about the universe fails to be a fairy tale but you know that that's where we come in well and and that's that's a moment where he's pointing out that uh, memories are not everything, right? He knows more than the archive knows about what's going to happen if Lethbridge Stewart line is not what it is. If if he as the Doctor is not if he well, if he never regenerates from the first one. Well, right? he already he he made a reference to having sons already, right. so it might not make right. any right. difference other than that they have their father, but. But the doctor uh, saves something. a difference. But the doctor saves him anyway, which is yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It yeah, and, and maybe 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 his son grew up with that story. You know, my my dad told me about the armistice, and and there was this one moment where there was this guy who wasn't in uniform, and he raised a cup at me, and I don't know who he was, but. Strange things happen, son. Well, I like that it also says that the Doctor does have the upper hand on the archive from New Earth, right? Yes. That he's a Time Lord. They're like, oh, he d- he dies now. And the Doctor's like, yeah, maybe not. 
<laughs> I do like that because that is his anarchic quality, and he has the he has the Time Lord's privilege to be like, no, I'm going to save I'm going to save this man. I, I'm not going to oh, let this oh, happen. Does they? I, oh, do I, they? I, hmm. Yeah. I love it when he is the agent of chaos. Can I say... You, you always have to have one. One thing that... There were several points where I thought I knew where the story was going, and it didn't go that way, which is great. That's that's nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I After more consideration, I kind of... I kind of wish the revelation of who was behind the archive was what I initially thought, which is I initially thought this seems more advanced than the doctor. And I was kind of hoping... Follow me here. See if you any of you thought this too. I was kind of hoping to have the twenty fourth Doctor be behind it all, something like that, where it's like literally in the end, Capaldi is being shown his future, just like Capaldi is showing his future to David Bradley. Um, mm. And instead, it's humans from New Earth, which is fine. But I did have that moment that where I was like, "Whoa, it would be something if this was like." more advanced than the doctor and that the do- the doctor didn't realize that he had stepped into something that is is beyond him but that that wasn't the case but i did have that moment of like that wouldn't that be yeah. something and i always figured peter uh, uh yeah i always figured that um, Stephen moffat would do a future doctor bit and he did the tom baker bit and he did peter capaldi raising an eyebrow in day of the doctor and i guess that's where he's gonna where he's gonna leave it but i always thought uh his his ultimate fan dream would be to just out right have like a far future doctor appear or in like a, 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 five, a five doctors where you don't even Tell know who four of them are yeah right well if if you think about it we don't know where the curator is or what time period he's in oh it's true no the curator i think is is what he did essentially yeah. is he did that yeah. but instead but maybe the curator is behind this as well oh it could be who knows what is he curating who knows but we i don't just, know i had that moment i actually had that moment where i took it all the way to he meets the 24th doctor the 24th doctor right. gives him a pep doc that he just gave to the first doctor the 24th doctor is a woman and he goes all right <laughs> i mean i i i can see that I, I would have liked that too i think he probably just didn't want to hem himself in yeah. and he didn't want to introduce another doctor I, right before we're going to meet the 13th i will say if you've got a time ship with all the memories of everybody who's ever died from the year five billion on new earth do you have a grappling hook with chains is that, I would think you'd have a tractor beam. I mean, of some you, sort you get bored if you don't have some sort chains. of an affectation. If you don't like put some patches on With a corduroy jacket like every now and then, big old links. I mean, <laughs> at least they weren't monologuing, so there was uh, yeah. that. It made me laugh. The, the links on the chains as they're holding the chains and going down to the earth made me laugh. I did like where they're going. Which again, I saw um, uh, I saw a little bit early where I was like, oh, they're going to jump off the TARDIS and then go to the other TARDIS because we got to go yes. in and see the yeah. the you know which they built already for for Clara right um so they've got that old tardis set the original tardis set and they got it out again and i love it i love that that is the best where yeah, uh, as, as soon as they landed there, oh. i just went 70 meters east oh, or yeah. whichever direction it was yeah that's so so I, good I, I did also like that they sort of stopped with the tardis about a foot off the ground and yeah. it was initially unclear whether they were like hanging in the middle of the air or but no no they just need yeah. to jump down one foot the chains chains it's held by yes. chains yeah. and a big grappling hook just a big claw sure why not it's a big claw machine that yeah, from the uh, year five, collects tardises from the year five billion yeah. to bring things up through their tardis shaped hole in the bottom of their ship uh-huh well there's yeah. the title that's that's actually why i thought <laughs> that it was going to be like future time lords or future doctor is that it it seemed it was very effective in being like whoa this is beyond what the doctor even knows and he stepped into something um and i do wonder 
again, just because of the way I was led through it, I do wonder if that was something that Stephen Moffat was considering, and then he just decided, nah, I'm, that's like, it is, to David's point, kind of an extra complication on top of this. And I, I do think that Stephen Moffat's creativity is nearly boundless, and that he shows restraint sometimes sometimes not always yeah. in yeah. saying that's too far that's too much i'm not gonna well, i'm not I gonna did, open that I, I think if if he were gonna continue as showrunner that's totally plausible <laughs> right. I, I, I think he just didn't want to show up uh Chris the chibnall, 13th doctor right. and let and let chibnall do what he wants yeah with the future so so this is about the past instead more than it's about yeah. the future yeah yeah I, I did think as a stephen moffat episode it didn't have too many obvious stephen moffat tropes in it I think yes. if you told me well, somebody else had written it, I might believe it. So I'm going to disagree with you there. And this is the part where I insult Stephen <laughs> Moffat. I think Stephen, I, I'm very happy about uh, Stephen Moffat's era. I think he did a lot of great work. I think he is, I think the Doctor Who fans are very fortunate to have somebody who is also a Doctor Who fan and is as talented a writer as Stephen Moffat is work on the show for as long as he did. That all said, I got to say it, like, from what we hear, Stephen Moffat was supposed to be off the show a year ago, and Chris Chibnall had to do. Um, they, when they hired Chris Chibnall, uh, there was going to be a gap because he needed to do the third series of Broadchurch. So Stephen Moffat was talked into staying another year, and that that the Husbands of River Song was meant to be his last episode, and then Chibnall would have come in with Capaldi for a year, and then right. Capaldi would have left, and Chibnall would have cast a new Doctor, and that it didn't work out that way, and and so the last season we got, and this episode is sort of Stephen. Moffat already sort of said goodbye, but then he was like, all right, I guess I'll take it for another spin. I feel like Stephen Moffat is exhausted with Doctor Who. <laughs> and this episode, as much as I liked bits in it, this episode to me felt like a man who has nothing left to give, that he is replaying. Because first off, this is death in heaven. This is the yes, same. You're describing the narrative of the episode is, very well. This is the same story he already <laughs> told two years ago, where they go, where people take memories of people who are dying and allow them to keep living. He already did that idea. Um, you know, the I, I just I had that moment throughout where I thought. I, I appreciate, I've said before, I appreciate Stephen Moffat's moves, but I feel like maybe we've seen them all. And in this episode, I have seen them all. Like, I, I, I just, I mean, he's done, he's done a regeneration episode before. It's as, as David Tennant might say, live too long. Like, I feel like Stephen Moffat <laughs> really didn't need to do another year. I know that he probably did it because he had to, because out of a sense of responsibility, um, more than actually wanting to stay. But in this episode, I really felt it. And I don't like these Christmas episodes that are about the moving the furniture around for the series. H having done a rewatch last year of all of the Christmas episodes, I can tell you the ones where it's in the middle of a season like the snowman or they got to regenerate a doctor or there's some other plot that is about the ongoing story those are the worst ones and yeah. this is better <laughs> yeah. than day of the doctor because i really didn't like that episode I, every time i see it no, now no, no, it's just time of the doctor time or, of the sorry doctor. time of the doctor day of the doctor 50th is great right and then the matt smith day is the best one yeah matt, matt smith's uh, regeneration not so much and end of time i don't like either this one was it better than those Absolutely it was. It absolutely was. There's a lot of great stuff in it. At the same time, though, I have to say it left me cold in a lot of places because I felt Stephen Moffat's got like nothing left in his bag of tricks. He's got he's already done everything. I would say that 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 is modern who is it doesn't have anything left in its bag of tricks and it's TV written for children. Hey, yeah, it hey, is TV written hey, for hey. children. Uh, I, I would yeah, say. I, I actually agree with you, Jason, that it, it left me cold for the first sort of two thirds 
until we got to the, the the sort of the end and and the sort of unpacking the puzzle box type stuff. Yes, but I was just as you were saying that the I was wondering if that's the subtext to the line. You know, one more lifetime won't kill anyone except me. If right. you substitute <laughs> season for lifetime, uh, <laughs> well, and and I would I would agree with both of you in that uh, I I think this was unique enough by itself, but it also had all of his bag of tricks. But the reason all the bag of tricks is there, the reason you've got all those pieces and that shorthand, we know, we know certain things are going to happen. We know these things that lets him focus on the character work and the character work is so lovely in this. And, and the relationship that the 12th doctor and the first doctor build with each other and discover and learn from each other is so nice. And you couldn't necessarily have that if you have to go, Oh, new plot, new plot. Oh, we got to keep running. Oh my God. Base I, under siege. I, oh, monster. I do feel at several points in this episode, uh, Stephen Moffat's, uh, sense of being a, a dramatist taps him on the shoulder and says, you know, you can't just have these two guys talk to each other for an hour. <laughs> there are several yes. points where it's like, I guess we need to do something. And the villain guard stuff exactly. is actually, I think the worst of it because that, that to take you back, that reminds me, that reminds me of time of the doctor, um, yes. where it is like with it. And the, all of the, what Tasha Lem stuff where it's like they're Daleks and there's a, there's a kind of a wasteland. And uh, as much as I liked seeing rusty because rusty is funny, the good Dalek who's still a Dalek, but he's, kind of good but kind of not um that was kind of a letdown where he's like oh they're trying to kill me and then it's just like well we run through some garbage that could have just as easily be where john hurt is and day of the doctor or it could be uh Trenzalore in a couple of different episodes and uh and then you know he says scan me and 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 i had a moment where it's like well if these are the daleks when he's about to regenerate the last time that happened he destroyed all the daleks so maybe that's when he's at his scariest but instead it's like no no it's fine you can come on in I thought that part really fell off where it yeah. was more we need to do some drama here and move this along as if there is a, a, a an enemy to fight um, when when quite honestly I would have rather they just kept talking because you're right the character stuff was spectacular and I really do like Mark Gatiss's, uh character moments and that moment at the end um, the moments at the end and back in World War Two or World War One are wonderful the world what do you what do you mean one that yes, is the scene yes, that, like that, that, uh, that that's like mandatory whenever you're dealing with world war one in time travel is you've got to have that moment where somebody's like what do you mean one this is essentially this is the war to end all wars they're not supposed to be any wars after this and to be told casually uh y- there's a sequel <laughs> like it, that was <laughs> that was right the actor <laughs> but um but the but otherwise the villain guard stuff I thought was a real disappointment because like I like the idea like the Dal- these Daleks are like feral Daleks that have, have are out of their shelves and scurrying around but we never really see them and at one point I mean it's so kind of haphazard David Bradley like picks up part of a Dalek shell and he's like ah, I guess there are Daleks here but it just it felt and, like and really he off repeats hand. the line he repeats the line of oh out of their shell yeah, you yeah. know like kind of yeah we we got we got it, it. we got it that, first that, time. Didn't, that didn't again I feel like playing things that Moffat has already played but i, I mean, get the reason maybe, why but i don't I, appreciate I, I, maybe know, it was I, mark, I, you know, mark just saying mm-hmm. i want i want a face hugger to attack me come on right which, I, yeah, yeah, which itself the face hugger bit again i just watched last christmas again that's just a replay of the monster in last christmas uh yeah. because it's a face hugger just like a, like of course an alien and so again it was like yeah you already did that one in a christmas special i've seen it before i just i, yeah, that, that I was, how many monsters and rubber suits and reconstitutions of old villains and plots and stuff can they do uh, it's it's something that 
if you're going to keep doing a franchise, that's just going to be a part of it. For me, the, pardon me, the, um, the, the set piece of going to, going to visit Rusty is, 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 is in keeping with the, the path that the 12th Doctor is on at this point where he is just, he is determined to not regenerate and he's going to do things his way. And this is him doing things his way and finding a solution in an old plot. Um, that is not going to actually work. Is not going to sure. actually have have had a purpose. Well, it's it's I, for me. It, 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 I, I I get I get that you hate the use of it as a as a construct, but I you know th- this is the story that they were telling, and uh, it, it it just um, I I don't know. I it it didn't it didn't bother me. But then again, I I don't rewatch this stuff as often mm-hmm. as a lot of people do. I certainly don't do rewatches of all the Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Don't, keep you. Don't. Uh, I'll, I'll, you. I can give you, you a list of you, four or three. <laughs> and then the yeah. rest do not. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and, it, well, and so, I, I will, so I will it works dis- thematically. I will disagree. It does work thematically. Um, yeah. And, and I, I know why Villengard is there structurally, right? Because the, the behind this whole episode is that it is structured like a regular Doctor Who episode, and they have to go pretty far into it before there is that moment where he goes, oh, it's not an evil plan after all, right? That that there that is right. the payoff, and so right. you have to have the quest, and he has to go to the the place where he can get more information, and that's all necessary. But I felt and, like it, it had been played before, and just to, to make one counter argument, it is true, like the tropes. It is Doctor Who. It's been around a long time. A lot of the tropes are recycled, but I can tell you that when Russell T. Davis got to this point, like I knew his moves too, and. And they're not they're not the same moves. And my issue is sort of like everybody's going to have their own. They're painting with the same palette, but they're all going to have their own style. And with this, I felt like I knew most of the moves that Moffat made, just like the moves that Russell T. Davis made, even though they were different moves because they were, you know, anyway, it, it feels very but similar. In fact, I, I would argue that well, both of these showrunners who've done excellent work with Doctor Who, both of them, you could point to an earlier point at which they should have probably jumped off. But it seems like one of the things that happens with BBC management is that once they get a showrunner, they grind them into dust. Oh, um, yes. Before yeah. they let well, them well, go. That's, well, that's, all of, that's all of UK TV. I mean, the, the yeah. thing about the thing about this this last season of Moffat leading up to this is that I actually liked it better than Peter Capaldi's first series. Um, honestly, I as as a yes. as a as the whole season, <laughs> it, it it worked better for me. I mean, maybe it was that he was um, overtired and and uh, had gotten through all of his stuff and uh, and and had you know had nothing but fumes left to give. Um, but I you know I I I have friends who who tried the first Capaldi season and said, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like him. And I was like, or, or they said, Oh, I liked him, but I didn't like the season. And I was like, watch the second one. Yeah. It's very good. It's very, very good. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like this whole episode is less something that I was, uh, I, I, I always reserve judgment until we're actually all the way to the bitter end of, of an episode, especially Christmas specials like this. Um, but for me, where we got to at the end, where we've thrown the new face of the doctor out of the TARDIS and it's hell inside. Like it's, it's literally a, a giant fireball hellscape. Um, and, and we have, we have the doctor falling from height in space. Um, that, that, that feels to me like, like a, a worthy reason to spend a transition episode like this, uh, 
effectively with the thesis of, well, you've done things certain ways before, but what you're doing next, there's no way to know where it's going to go. Um, where it's, I, 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 your memory, uh, collective memory is probably better than mine, but I, I don't know that we've had a cliffhanger like this on a regeneration ever. Uh, I have um, to say we, we had this Smith. very, we, <laughs> we had this very cliffhanger last time, which is part of my point about Moffat replaying things is he already, they already did this. Matt Smith is in a TARDIS on fire dangling out the door at the end of his episode. Dangling too. out the door, but not falling. Not, yeah, not falling. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Although to yeah. be fair, yeah, I, that, Chris Chibnall wrote that part, so it's that's yep. right. It's yep. and, and just, again, that, that's but, exactly my point. Is that is that yes, we have another cliffhanger, but um, there, there's not going to suddenly yeah. be a, a grappling hook and chain. Um, <laughs> that, that I, I sure hope not. That would be a real anticlimactic <laughs> well, cliffhanger the, resolution the, if there's another but, claw and chain. Just, just the thing just that to, got me with this um, was uh, this is the first Doctor. In a long time where at the point of regeneration, I am sad to see them go. Because even uh. though I loved, uh, David Tennant and, uh, I mostly liked Matt Smith, by the time they got to the end, it was like, it was just to go. go. Yeah. Especially yeah. David Tennant. And, and I, he is probably one of my favorite doctors, but by the end of that, yep. it was like, you know, it is time, it's to, time leave. to go. Mm-hmm. But with Peter Capaldi, it's like, ah, uh, you know, just, you know, one more season, do it under Chris Chibnall. I mean, not that I don't want Jodie Whittaker, but, you know, it, it was the, that first time that I can remember feeling like that for the last 10 or so years. Yeah, yeah I, I could have I I watched a couple more series of, of Capaldi. Just, I, I just want to jump back to the Dalek for a minute, uh, because talking about it and thinking about it, I think it's not just thematically, though. It's not just that, oh, we've got the first Doctor, so we need to see his greatest enemy. Uh, it's it's that we need to see his greatest enemy that's turned kind of good and has destroyed Daleks. And that shows him a different kind of Dalek than he ever saw. Right? And that right. gives well, him hope going forward. I did like the disarming. Uh, just, right. It, it right. was a cheap laugh, but I did laugh. <laughs> yep. here, here, take my gun. You can trust me. All right. I'm a good Dallas. So let's let's get to the end. Uh, Peter Capaldi uh, gives a speech. He's basically tell- sending a message forward to his to his future self. He's talking to himself about Note what to self, what he's learned uh, about being the doctor and what the doctor should be. And then uh, and then we get the regeneration before we get to the regeneration, though. Any any thoughts about like Capaldi is great at giving speeches. I feel again that Stephen yeah. Moffat has already written great Moffat or great uh, Capaldi speeches, and so this is not like the best one, but it is once again uh, Stephen Moffat really kind of encapsulating what he believes the role of the Doctor is, and and I I love that because I I do I I love how he views the Doctor and what the Doctor's code is, and so that to have that one last speech from Peter Capaldi seems right, like for a Doctor who really I think you you have to say is the one of his classic things is that he gave a bunch of really amazing speeches that <laughs> this mm. one last speech is probably <laughs> fitting. Well, it's, yeah. it's a great mission statement, right? You know, you, you don't always have to be nice, but always be kind. Right. Right. Yeah, Love the, hard. L- laugh hard, run fast, be kind. I think it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh-huh. the 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 tenure of Speecher Capaldi um, it was 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 very much punctuated by these kinds of um, breathless, uh, evocative statements of of how to be, how to live, how to think, how to love, how to die, uh, and and so it it felt it felt appropriate. Yeah, have we have we seen him do something like that a, a few times? Yeah, and I, I love that that's part of the personality of this doctor. Has has there been any other doctor who basically had an entire episode to himself to monologue? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. But we had one who could do it, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um so Jody Whitaker is here. And what line again, I'm just reminded that three years ago we were all analyzing I have new kidneys. I don't think they're the right color. <laughs> um, the and here we have Jodie Whittaker, and all she uh, first off the the uh, the ring falls off of off of her hand, um, which is a nice, touch. which I thought was really nice, and you see it land next to the boots. And uh, I was reminded of you know Matt Smith reaching around and feeling his hair and feeling his throat, and then saying, "I'm a girl." Oh no, I'm not a girl. And this one, she pulls the screen over and looks at her reflection in the screen, and then just says, "Oh, brilliant." And then, of course, everything explodes and she falls out the TARDIS door, which is, it is, basically that needs to happen. You need to have the TARDIS in great distress. And it's almost like a uh, a tradition now in Doctor Who. But um, well, You have to rebuild the set again well, with that, something new. Th- that's so it. There's going to be a new set. So setting tar- it on fire, the, the, literally. The TARDIS decides to blow itself up and, and regenerate as I, sympathy I for like, the Doctor. Just going back, just... One little thing I liked was basically the TARDIS interceding at the end yes. and sort of convincing Capaldi to give yeah. it another go. Yeah, like, uh, kind of like R2-D2, except with yes, TARDIS I thought very much RT, like having just watched The Last Jedi and talked about it incessantly. Yes, it was very much the, I shall guilt you yes. by saying something. TARDIS sound effects um, used as speech, basically, in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And being understood as well, mm-hmm. which... Um, but yeah, I, I think that, so I wish Jodie Whittaker had had slightly more, you know, just to get slightly more of a flavor because just the one, you know, the two words, uh, I, it, it didn't feel enough to me. Uh, nope, and I, that's all you get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of like that. I know, I know. I kind of like I, that, it, it that, was, that it's just like, oh, brilliant, because everybody knows, like, this is the idea, and then it does the obligatory thing, and it also gives Ch- Chris Chibnall uh, time to actually, you know, you're you're only gonna you're not gonna get to character. know her yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it obviously it, it sets it up, and it's not like I'm gonna say, well, you know, she didn't get enough time, so I'm, I'm going to stop watching now. Um, I want to see what happens next, but I just wanted a little bit more of it now before we have to wait, however long it is we have to wait. I, I do kind of hope when we see the new interior of the TARDIS that, you know, all this time spent in the first Doctor's TARDIS kind of makes makes her go, you know, I yeah. kind of liked the circles after all. Around things. And- uh, well, that's where you hide your brandy. I mean, clearly. Yeah, apparently. Well- Yes, in 1,400 years, I've had a little bit of it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, yes, switch the lights on a bit more, maybe. But uh, a little. I, I, I hope they come up with something completely new that's not yeah. either old yeah. or or what we've had recently. Well, now's the time, because we're not only changing doctors, we are changing crews we're changing showrunners and i think my impression is a lot of the people involved may change as well this is not everybody because they're still doing it in wales but that that it, it, it there is that moment where um 
people get off the get off the ride and then new people come on um so it 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 is an opportunity for the showrunner to change and now do something completely different which we haven't seen keeping in mind that Stephen Moffat has run every episode of Doctor Who since David Tennant left it's been two doctors worth for one showrunner so this is only the third showrunner shift in the modern series it is a big deal and it it should look different next time it should feel very different because it's time for that. It's time for, for something new. As much as I've appreciated Moffat's run, it's been, you know, six seasons and two Doctors, and it's time for something new. Do you and, think we'll get Moffat back doing another story, writing one? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would say yes, but I would have said yes to Russell T. Davis coming back and writing uh, an episode. And I remember at the time, Stephen Moffat said, if Russell ever wants to write an episode, he knows how to reach me. Like, door is open. And Russell T. Davis was very much like, you know, I am burned out on Doctor Who. I did it. I did that job. And you know what? Stephen Moffat should feel the same way. Stephen Moffat should feel like he has given everything he had. All his ideas about Doctor Who have been fulfilled. He did it all and is done. So I would advise him not to write a single thing regarding (laughs) Doctor Who for five years. Um, But he may not be able to resist. I don't know if Chris I, I Chibnall wants. Like, I don't know if Chris Chibnall wants him involved, especially since a lot of the rumors are that the these seasons are going to be like a writers' room and much more focused and tied together, as opposed to the ability that writers have had to just parachute in with an episode. So it may not even. I, I could see. I could see Stephen Moffat finding some notebook, some lost notebook, where he'd scribbled like 10 other things that he'd wanted to do in Doctor Mm -hmm. Who. And then in two years from now, he's like begging, look, I just need to do this, you know... The well, story I, that's got 10 companions and no doctor. If I had to make whatever. a prediction, it would be that sometime in the next five years, either Stephen Moffat, Russell T. Davis, or both will be... Um, will <laughs> a be, multi-show runner will be given, uh, story yes, line. Will be given... No, listen, hear me out here. Will be given a Christmas special because right. Chris Chibnall or whoever you know, perhaps succeeds him will be like, why do I have to write the Christmas special? <laughs> like, Stephen, you've written a lot of these. Uh, Russell, you've written a bunch of these. Just you you do it. I don't want to do it. Well, just make it the, special. The thing, the thing that kind of excites me about Moffat taking a little time off but then coming back is that, you know, he's had two doctors worth to shape everything and to go in and revise everything no matter who wrote it. And so that's why you get a little bit of that sameness, but he's been able to, to sort of set the overarching things too. And I'd kind of like to see what a writer with his skill at plot and twists would do with what someone else has set up. What are all these new things to play hmm. with? What else is coming? And then let's, let's get this guy back. He knows what, well, I he's, think, what he's doing. I think his best episodes were when he wasn't show running. I agree. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, that could work. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I th- it wouldn't surprise me, but I feel like also if I were his agent, <laughs> I would advise yeah. him like, cause look, keep in mind when he took the job, he had just written the screenplay for Tintin. Um, and <sighs> they were going through the rewrites on that. And so it's like, okay, you just got a Steven Spielberg movie as a screenwriter, like his career could have gone in a very different direction. Now, this is not to say that Dr. Who was a backwater for him. Sherlock happened while he was doing it. He's got, <laughs> he's got other stuff lined up, including the Dracula show with Mark Gatiss. Uh, but if I were his agent, I would be like, now is the time 
you make hay when the sun shines you are coming off of doctor who you have a lot of bandwidth to do things that are very much not doctor who now is the time to do that and i think um i I, you know i I suspect that's what he'll do but i don't think like russell davis well he's never going to be that far away from doctor who because these are lifelong fans and they're going to remain so and so if he yeah if he has a story idea (laughs) what do you think is going to happen I, I think he's in a better position now than he was after Tintin, though, because I saw Tintin. Well, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. but, but career-wise, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, career-wise, getting a screenplay produced oh, yeah. like that, yeah, like that, is, that opens doors. I mean, we, we know uh, from people we know <laughs> that just being present in the conversation gets gets can open a lot of doors for you. And, and you know, I always heard that about... Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, when after you know who did Babylon Five, that he got that one screenplay, The Changeling, that was produced, and that was Clint Eastwood directed it, and that opened every door in Hollywood to him in terms of getting work as a script doctor and a screenwriter, and sometimes that's all it takes. And like the door had opened for Moffat, and then he also got offered the showrunner job, mm. and he was like, "I'm going to take the the job." I think Sherlock is the other thing that is floating yeah. out there is that the success of well. Sherlock leaving doctor who aside would be enough to give him as much oh yeah you know uh, yeah. cred as he needs so he's got he's got in spades to do some other things that are not <laughs> doctor who and I mean, for a I, while i know he's really really tired after all this God. but i'm i'm much i'm much happier that we got this series with capaldi than that we got any more sherlock they they didn't <laughs> really need to do that series sure yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel I, like I feel like you know Moffat oof. coming back for something like a landmark anniversary to do a special, mm, yeah, or see, something right. like that. But but I like I don't know that he's going to be bored enough anytime soon to come in and do the Christmas special because Chibnall thinks they're dumb or something. No, um, I mean like call, my feeling is sort of like call me in twenty twenty one, right? Like, <laughs> right. You know, are you missing it? I, yeah. I don't want to do this. Do you want? Are you missing it? Do you have an idea? <laughs> <laughs> I I still want to see Paul McGann episodes. Come on, yeah. people. Yeah, um, we can totally do this. I will say uh, about Stephen Moffat being a true fan. Um, one of the things that I, I always—I'm going to just say it—I always thought this would happen, and it totally happened. Which is Stephen Moffat's done. His era is over. His tenure is over. Everything he's done for Doctor Who has been done. And I always expected he would come back to the Gallifrey One convention in L.A. as soon as he was done. Maybe give himself a year off. He's not even given himself a year off. In two months, he will be in L.A. at that convention, which he attended as a fan (laughs) before he was a writer for Doctor Who. And I love that because that is a fan convention. That is not one of these things where you get paid a huge amount of money. It's run by fans. It's run as a nonprofit. But he went there as a fan and he's going in February. And I, I, what I love about that is that's who Stephen Moffat is. The fact is, he is a talented writer. I really loved Coupling. It's one of my favorite sitcoms ever. And he wrote it all. And it was great. And, and his, his freelance stuff for Doctor Who was good. Uh, was very good. Um, but at his core, he is a guy who is a professional TV writer and a, a lifelong Doctor Who fan. And for six years, those collided. But now that it's all over, he's still still a lifelong doctor who fan right i mean that's not yeah. he's not walking away um and so i uh i i think that's great i i think that's well, that that's a great thing so i'm looking forward to seeing him in february maybe we'll get a uh, coupling season five now oh boy the coupling oh. reunion 
Oh, yeah. yeah they brought back they, they're all, Grace. All, they brought back oh, so many things. Only if Richard Coyle is, comes back. That's yes, yep. exactly. Um, I think, well, all those stars aren't quite as big stars anymore, so maybe they could get them all back. Sure. That's how I feel about the Friends reunion show, too. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're available. Um, yeah, but at least coupling was funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it, it was better for, plotted, Except certainly. for the fourth series. Um, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The, okay. There is no that doesn't exist. So, that so doesn't you know, exist. roll on Stephen Moffat getting to try other things and and also relax. I think I read that after, as soon as um, they were done with the Christmas special, um, he went to Hawaii that's what i that's what i read is that they like they came out to comic-con um and then he just went to hawaii and it was literally like goodbye everybody (laughs) i'm going on vacation (laughs) for the first time in a long time so full credit to him yeah job well done six years in a in a, a very tough spot having to run that show with the eyes of 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 everybody in the world on it um and bring on jody whittaker like i am very excited about what chris chibnall and uh, will do and what jody whittaker will do i loved the glimpse of her that we got in this episode um i think she's gonna do a great job i've seen her in a bunch of stuff now i already saw her in Broadchurch, but i've seen her in other stuff now too um she's attacked the block attack, she, oh yes uh, she's go see attack yeah, the block she's, yeah, so she's attack the really block. good like and i can see it like i can see um I can see why you would cast her in this part, and I think it's going to be yeah. good. You, and I think mm-hmm. if not just for her attack the block, John Boyega is in it. Joe oh, Cornish sure. wrote and directed it. No. Uh, Nick Frost is oh, in it. It's it, so it, good, it's, so good, so it, good. Yeah, if it's you terrific seen it, across the board. See attack the block. Yeah. It is if you, if you like the Cornetto trilogy. See attack yeah. the block. It is like yeah. the cousin of the Cornetto trilogy. It's really good. Um, I mean, I, I was a fan of Joe Cornish when he was just a, a DJ on BBC Radio and doing and, the and, Adam and Joe show. Right, yeah. and this and this came out, and, and I, he he did a movie. <laughs> what? And then I saw it and went, "Oh, thank yeah. God, he did a movie." Yeah, and, wow. if you, and you can you if you watch that. I watched it immediately after she was cast, uh, and you, if you watch it thinking, you know, Doctor Who, you can see how they could yep. how she could be. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the Doctor yeah. quite easily. Oh yeah, she starts out as as being kind of. Uh, a little bit timid and within a very short time she is all the way out <laughs> like all the way out there uh it's great it's a great uh yeah she's she's gonna be great she's she's got a uh, an incredible amount of talent and i think it's telling i said this at the time when she was cast that chris chibnall worked with her for three seasons on Broadchurch. like you don't cast somebody you just worked with as the star of the show that you're taking over that is again your lifelong beloved show if you don't have extreme confidence in them to be yeah. the lead and chris chibnall mm. casting jody whittaker is like russell t davis casting david tennant it is somebody who is casting them from a position of having worked with them very closely and knowing that they can do the job and so i i think he should be supremely confident in her abilities and so so should the rest of us she's going to be great yeah, and the fact that they can hit the ground running with a rapport between them. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Russell T. Davis had that with um had that at least a little bit with uh, Christopher Eccleston because they did the Second Coming, but the, uh, and then they did uh, Tenant. Uh, they did Casanova. So and that was like Tenant does the same. If you haven't seen Casanova, it's pretty good. Um, by Russell T. Davis and David Tennant is Casanova, and uh, so is uh, Peter O'Toole actually. It's amazing. Um, 
that but he's doing the that, same that accent. That guy's pretty good yeah. actually. He's he but but Dave Tennant's literally doing the same accent as in Doctor Who that I think Russell T. Davis just like just do Casanova again. So yeah. and speaking yeah. of accents, James, we we've we're leaving the Scottish accent behind for a yeah, I, Yorkshire I, accent, it sounds like for Jody. So well, yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, uh, Peter Capaldi, when he did, th- there was the line about, um, oh, what was it? Uh, are you trying to be funny or something? He said that in a very Glaswegian way. <laughs> and it yeah. reminded me that I am going to miss the fact that I've I've got a, a Glaswegian doctor. And <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, that the, there is that sort of you know, a little bit of home uh, pride, uh, which which will not be there in the in the same way. It's only moving uh, very slightly south, though. <laughs> yeah, well, well, to you, it's only you yeah. Know. But I mean, look, it's Yorkshire is the Texas of England, uh, so I feel like I feel like. I feel uh, like my people have moved in uh, from a remove, and we've we've taken over Doctor Who just a little bit. Oh dear! Don't tell Anthony that. Anthony's not from Yorkshire; he's just right across the border. It's just Lancashire. Right. It's totally different. Um, all right. Well, uh, I feel like uh, we have we have done enough damage for now on the Doctor Who flashcast. If you're listening to this and you want to hear more about Doctor Who, you should listen to This Week in Time Travel, which is posting, I believe, about the same time as this episode, where Chip and Alyssa are going to talk about the Christmas special. So you can listen to them as well. And the, the Doctor Who flashcast also continues, who knows when, August, September, uh, we don't even know with chris chibnall and jody whitaker but um that wraps it up the doctor who flashcast has encompassed the entire peter capaldi era david you and i were at least among the people on the on the deep breath episode so we've come all the way back uh-huh. around to yeah, i was in, into the, the dalek, long way around so yeah yeah oh, yeah the long way around indeed yeah. well i i did like that the echoes of the of the 50th anniversary special you can't go wrong that was that is what if there's one thing we can point to in the Stephen Moffat era, I feel like the fact that he executed the 50th anniversary special under so much pressure with so many constraints oh, and had it be yeah. probably his best episode. That is a, kind of amazing. Cause you know, that, I mean, that is, I've down. said it before. I say it again. It is my, absolutely my favorite episode of the series bar none. Mm. Uh, just, and, and, and the fact that he wrote the two episodes on either side of it, and I hate the episodes on either side of it, and they seem like totally different writers, that one worked. And, and it's, oh, it's just so brilliantly plotted. And and if you compare it to the five doctors, you know, it is a a far superior (laughs) way of doing it. That's sort of where I'm coming from, where I say how, how hard it was to stick the landing on that is that I've seen the five doctors many times. It is fun for what it is but it is the the 50th is not just a you know let's stick a bunch of characters together uh with funny dialogue and a really loose plot it is it is something completely different and way better than i ever expected so and and you know considering this episode uh you know we've we've had the first doctor come back twice before and not really do much and not have been really worth the effort right and this this was an episode where we get to see the first doctor in action and that was fun that was delightful i agree all right so we'll be back in many many months in 2018 with jody whitaker and with chris chibnall and with who knows what else going on uh but that'll be great it'll be a new era but until then 
This is the end of the Doctor Who Flashcast for now. And I would like to thank my guests for joining me on this Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to you all. David J. Lore, thank you and happy Christmas. Thank you. Happy Christmas. And if if you're still in the mood for a, a madman in a box, go check out the radio theater. Uh, yes. Good. A plug. We don't get a those plug. that often. I finally have a plug. <laughs> Bravo. Moises Chuyan, a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you. I, I look forward to the Yorkshire team up of Doctor Who and DCI Banks. Yeah, we throw in... Uh, it, uh, it, James Harriet will be in that. It'll be a three-way team up. <laughs> uh, I have a plug of my own. I'll, I'll be bringing Electric Shadow back uh, soon, uh, uh, as soon as I finish moving house. Uh, and uh, and there there might be some Alex Kingston, Michelle Gomez, David Tennant shaped uh, stuff in there for Doctor <gasps> Who fans. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe? shortly after this uh, special post. Nice. Uh, depends <gasps> on how far through this bottle of whiskey I get. ESN FM for the Electric yep. Shadow Network. Electric Shadow. Wee. And James Thompson, uh, again, my condolences on losing a Glaswegian doctor, but, you, you know, they can't take the Capaldi era away from you ever. He was dead no, great, right, James? He was dead great. Oh, don't do that. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm trying not to. It was ending but... so lovely. So it's such a lovely way. And now, no, now. Um, I was going to do uh, a plug of a future incomparable Ooh. episode, which may appear at some point uh, where, with our Doctor Who episode draft oh yes where we will talk about other things yes. uh, which we recorded ages ago which will we'll, come we'll out we'll in we'll the future it's, it's a future episode that already exists indeed taking the long way around the feed mm-hmm. but for now uh jason i let you go oh yes uh all right that's it we'll see you all in a few months until then oh brilliant Dr. Who